If you would, put us on slide 17, please. Our memory verse. Brother Terry said it last week, so he's discontinued. He's disqualified for this week. Who wants to say it this week? Come on, it's the easy peasy one. Brother Xavier does. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. I'm not sure why that just keeps going back and forth, but that's okay. We've got it now. So a review from last week. Our faith is the evidence. It's the substance. It's the tangible thing, if you will, that we can hold fast to. We maybe can't see it, but yet it is tangible because God will reveal things here, there, little bit by little bit, here a little bit, there a little bit, precept upon precept. I maybe don't see this today, but then tomorrow it'll be like, well, hello, that's why that happened. And then my faith is increased. So it's the substance of what I hope for, and it's the very evidence of what I don't see yet. So faith. Remember that um, Webster defines substance as that which underlies all outward manifestations, real, unchanging essence or nature of a thing, that in which qualities inhere, that which constitutes anything, what it is. So faith is what constitutes what we believe. Faith is what constitutes who we are. Faith is what keeps us going. It constitutes, it is unchanging in its essence. True faith doesn't waver. It's constant. It's unchanging. In here means to be fixed. A fixed element or attribute in evidence is clearness, an outward sign. And so we said that our paraphrased version of Hebrews 11.1 was faith is the fixed, unchanging element of things desired. And we know that God gives us the desires of our heart. So it's the fixed, unchanging element of things desired, the clear outward sign of things not seen, without any doubt or wavering of the mind. Okay? So, tonight's question is, how do we become people of faith? I mean, even in Scripture, it says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So I want to have faith, but help me along, God, because, you know, some days I just kind of, you know. So how do we become people of faith? We are told that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. As a Christian, I cannot walk by what I see. I cannot live my life by what I see. If I do, I'm not walking by faith. Last week I used the example. There is no logical way that you can put a piece of paper in front of you and put your $100 at the top and figure out how you can have more left by paying God $10 and then doing something with 90 than to do something with 100. It makes no sense how you can do more with 90% than you can with 100%. It does not pass the sight 
on the piece of paper. But I cannot walk by my own physical sight. My own logic is what that means. I can't walk by my human logic. God's ways are not my ways. His ways are so much higher than mine. They, they just confound me. So the world says that seeing is believing. You show it to me and I'll believe. We even have a state that says it's the show me state. The misery state. There you go. Um, it's not God's cut. No. Um, as Christians, we have to retrain our minds to walk by faith and not by sight. Because we are human beings. We were born with the human logic. So we have to retrain our thinking to allow God's thinking to take control. And say, I don't care if it makes sense. I can't live by what makes sense. I have to live by faith. Knowing is believing. So I have to retrain by my mind to walk by what I know to be true from God. Some things that I have to know. I have to know that Jesus loves me. I have to know that he will never leave me. I have to know that he will care for me. I have to know that he directs my path. I have to know that he works most everything, usually, sometimes, sort of, for my good. No, all things for my good. It doesn't look like it's going to work at all for my good right now. But hold on, buckle your seatbelt, sit tight, because in a week or two or a month, if I'm still walking by faith, God's going to blow your mind. And you're going to go, whoa, I had no idea that God could do that. So I have to walk by faith. But there's some things that I have to know if I'm going to do that. Because if I don't know it, and if it's not just part of me, then my logical human mind takes over instead of my God-no mind. I know that I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this battle. I don't walk the way that I want to go. We didn't leave the missions field and give up our, quote, income and come back to no income because it made any logical sense. God directed our path. We knew that God was directing our path. Made no sense. God works all things together for good. You can't always see the end at that moment in time. If you could, it wouldn't take any faith. You have to trust God. And that's another thing that you have to know. You have to know that you can trust Him. So where does faith come from? Oh, knowing is believing. Where does faith come from? There you go. You read the paper. Faith comes from God. So, 
We talked about this briefly last week. God gives everyone the measure of faith. I don't know how much the is, but that's what you got to start with. You got the, I got the. Might be a pinch, might be a bushel basket, might be a peck basket, might be a semi-load. I don't know how much Z is, but it's a designated amount to get you started. It's enough to get you on the road of walking by faith. It's enough to get you started, and that's found in Romans 12.3. But then what we do with the measure, I can give you the measure of flour, Sister Linda, and next week you come back with your measure of flour. You are starving to death. And you, week after week after week, you come back with your measure of flour. And you still have the measure of flour Because you're protecting your measure of flour. You're holding on tight to the measure of flour. You're not letting anything happen to the measure of flour, but you're not doing anything with the measure. But Sister Sonia, I give her the measure of flour, and she takes her the measure, and she decides that she's going to add some eggs to it and some baking soda and some chocolate. And next Wednesday night, she comes in, and we all get to enjoy some brownies. And we're like, whoa, go Sister Sonia. She added, oh, Brother Richard wants her to add chocolate chips and nuts to it, too. Caramel swirled in there, you know, adding to it. So it's up to us what we add to the initial Z measure that we're given as to what happens to our measure. See, the problem is some people have what they start with and they never do anything with it. Now, the truth is that with Z measure, if you don't do anything with it, you're not going to have the same amount week after week after week because it's going to go and dwindle out on you, but we'll talk about that after a little bit. 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 8 says, add. And it tells us very specifically, just like the recipe that Sister Sonia would have for her brownies, it tells very specifically a recipe I don't like. um, This is being recorded, but I don't like to get recipes from my sister-in-laws. Because they never tell me exactly what to add to the measure. And it never turns out. You know, you just put in a little bit of that, a little bit of this, and then you bake it for a little bit, and then you just, poof, you have it. Well, poof, it never happens. Mine plops. And then, you must not have done it right. But God tells us exactly, like a good recipe, what to add to our faith. We're to add virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience. Ooh, we all love patience. Godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, charity. And if we add these things, and if they abound, like add tons of it, 
lots and lots and lots of it. Like add so much chocolate to your brownie mix that you think you're just going to gag on it. If, if it abounds, then we're going to abound in us, then we won't be barren nor unfruitful in our knowledge of Jesus. That's how we increase our faith, by adding to it. So you can be given the measure, but the measure is not going to see you through all of your life. Jesus prayed for you that your faith would fail not. And then Peter tells you how to add to it to keep it from failing and how to keep you from being unfruitful and how to keep you from being barren. How to grow in your knowledge. Man, I wish I could know more about Jesus. We'll start adding these things. Add some virtue to your life. Add some knowledge. Get into the Word. Add some temperance, some self-discipline to your life. Add some patience. Some godliness. Do the godly things. Just do right in your life. Do brotherly kindness. Do a kind deed for other people. Quit thinking about yourself all the time, in other words. Do kind things for the other person. What's going to benefit the other person? Give the other person. Hold the door for the other person instead of rushing in for yourself. I was amazed a few weeks ago. I went out to Old Country Buffet to pick up a gift card for my husband. I got there four minutes before the door opened because I thought they were open for breakfast. I was so disappointed. There There were three gentlemen, and I use that term loosely, sitting on the bench. And I assumed that they were gentlemen to start with, and they were about the age of the gentleman sitting here tonight. They were sitting here on the bench. Well, then about, as I waited the four minutes, some more guys came up, and they are standing there, and I thought, well, okay, so I'm the only woman standing there. I'm the only woman, so it's not like I'm a threat. And I don't think that I look like I would clean out the buffet line in the first two minutes. I don't think I do, but you never know. So they unlocked the door, and as serious as can be, all of those men gang-rushed the door and ran in in front of me. Not one of them thought to hold the door open for me to go in and buy the gift card. Now, had they held the door open and let me go in first, I by all means would have let them pay for their food and get through the buffet line, and then I would have got my gift card because I wasn't in any big rush. But it just, brotherly kindness. Think of the other person. Go back to the old way of life. And ladies be ladies and men be men and do the kind deeds one for another and increase your faith. Charity, show love, have love, the godly love. And your faith will abound. You won't be unbarren nor unfruitful in your knowledge. So again, we may ask, how? How do we grow? How do we add? We are told that Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the Word of God. Now, I honestly feel like I'm kind of teaching to the choir tonight. 
You know, I'm like, it's kind of like the music teacher that would stand up and try to teach the operatic soloist how to sing the song that's already done the solo. You know, because you all are the ones that are here for Bible study, and you all are the ones that are here for Sunday morning sermons, and you all are the ones that are here on for Sunday school, and yeah. So, but that's how our faith has increased. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Quite simply, if you never hear the word, your faith isn't going to increase. You've got to have a steady diet. If I never eat, I'm going to diminish and die. If I never hear the word, my faith is going to die. It's just going to dwindle, 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 dwindle. If somebody says to me, you know, I just don't have the faith to believe that, get in the word. More of the word. I need more faith so I can just believe that I can get in the word. Go get out some preaching DVDs, CDs, listen to it. Get out the Bible on CD, turn it on at night and go to sleep with it. Whatever. Have it just saturate yourself with the word of God. The word. I mean, we're told faith comes, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's how, that's it. Romans 10:17. There's a direct correlation. The more word, the more faith. The less word, the less faith. When a person starts to miss, we don't get any bonus dollars. We, pastor and I, don't get it. You guys, you folks pastored, not guys, you guy and gal, pastored here for years. We, you can validify this with me. We don't get bonus dollars from the district headquarters for having extra people in Sunday school. No bonus dollars. We get no bonus dollars for having extra people here on Wednesday night Bible study. In fact, we could save money, folks, if we locked the door and didn't have Wednesday night Bible study. We would not have to run the AC nor the air conditioner at times. Great idea. Wrong. Sunday school. Don't buy the books. Now we're going to go to the printed material. We wouldn't have to print that material for you to study from. Just let Brother Miller stand up here and teach it, and you could get it or not get it. Who cares? No, the reason that we keep saying, get to Sunday school, get to Bible study, get to... Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word, and the less of the word, the less the faith. And the less the faith, the sooner you're out there. And then the sooner you're calling and saying, oh. There's a direct correlation. You must do more than just hear the word, though. You have to believe it. Hebrews 4, verses 2 and 6. For unto, us the gospel, for unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith or belief in them that heard it. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. So if you hear the word, but you don't let it get into you and you don't believe it, 
then it doesn't obviously increase your faith. It's kind of like the bulimic girl or boy or person. They eat the food, but then they purge it out right away. Sorry if that's too graphic for you. But it's the same thing. If you hear the word, but you don't let it become a part of you, it doesn't increase your faith. I have to hear it and become a doer of it. Well, the only way that I hear it and become a doer of it is to believe it. And then faith comes through the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 5, 10, and then 12 and 13. Verse 5 says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Verse 10 I'm not sure what's going on with my little thingy, but maybe I didn't put them up there. Verse 10 says, God had revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. And verse 12 says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And verse 13 says, Which things also we speak, not in the words of which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things. So the Spirit in you will reveal, there we go, will reveal the word to you. So you'll hear the word or you'll be reading the word and the Holy Ghost... The, the Bible, as we know, is a spiritual book. So people without the Holy Ghost can read and glean some understanding, but normally they'll say, well, I read the Bible and I just don't get it. Well, it's because they don't have the Spirit in them to reveal it to them. It's kind of like I can read a German book and I maybe can get a few things out of it because I know a little bit of German but I don't get the full meaning of the book because I don't speak that much German well the spirit makes you fluent if you would it reveals it to you the wisdom of man cannot generate faith man's wisdom will fail us your own wisdom will fail you Faith can only stand on the power of God given through the word and through the spirit. Now, faith is a matter of choice. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe, number one, that he is. So the first thing that you have to do is believe that God is. Then the second thing is that you have to believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And if you believe those two things, then you're going to be adding to your faith. Because if I believe that God rewards when I diligently seek him, I'm not going to be complacent and lackadaisical in consuming the word. Right? 
I'm going to be avid about how much of the word. I'm going to be faithful in my morning devotions. I'm going to be faithful in being here to hear the Bible studies and the Sunday school lessons. I'm going to be faithful in whatever, however, what, you know. I'm going to be consuming the word of God, taking it in. I'm going to be memorizing verses. I'm going to be quoting verses. I'm going to be, it's going to be a part of me. I'm going to live and breathe the word because I believe that when I diligently seek him, and he is the word, he was the word made flesh. So when I seek him, I'm seeking the word. That's the only, I mean, not the only, but it's a huge way of my communication with him and his communication with me. So that's my form of diligently, one form of diligently seeking him. It's a matter of choice. We all choose what we believe in. Everybody believes in something. And everybody believes in someone. Unfortunately, today we have way too many people that believe only in themselves. They are their own gods with a little g. We all have been given the God-given gift, and it is a gift of choice. Unfortunately, again, some of us use that to our own damnation. But it is a gift. Because without that gift, we would just be robots. And we would just come to church and we would have no choice in the matter. But I get to choose to love him. So Jesus said to have faith in God in Mark 11:22. He told me in Matthew 9:29, these are some of the things that I get to choose. I get to choose to have faith in God. Matthew 9:29 says, "According to your faith, be it unto you." So according to my faith, I get to choose what I place my faith in and how much faith I have. And then that's how it's going to be done unto me. If my faith is in, and I, I hesitate to say any specific thing, then that's where my source of power will come from or my source of deliverance or my source of whatever. That's where it will come from. But if he is my first choice, then that's my primary resource. Matthew 9.22 says that our faith will make us whole. I mean, look at the woman with the issue of blood. She had so much faith. And Jesus didn't just heal her. He said, your faith has made you whole. And I know that Isaiah, by his stripes we are healed. And I, and I do believe that God does heal us physically. I do believe that. I have been healed physically. Yet, there's an inward healing that makes me whole. That there's nobody on the face of this earth that could do that. And that was done through faith in God. There's no one else that could take away the guilt that I was carrying around in my life. But because I made the right choice, then by faith that he is God and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, 
he made me whole. Because I was only a half of a person, if at best. But then by faith, he made me whole. My faith made me whole. And then Mark 5.36 says that we need to only believe. Just believe. Just believe. Just believe. So the choice is ours. Big faith, little faith, strong faith, weak faith. And that's our next slide. There's levels of faith, and Jesus named them. Mark 4.40, there's no faith. Then Luke 12:28 there's little faith and you can read these scriptures at home they're on your handout Mark 5:34 there's faith and then Luke 7:9 there's great faith Now I don't know about you but if you said to me Sister Parker today down at Associated Bank tomorrow We'll go with tomorrow because it's after banking hours and 20 minutes and I've got to finish Bible study so I couldn't get there in time anyway. So tomorrow at Associated Bank, they're giving away four kind of accounts. They're giving away an account with no money. Thanks, I've already got some of it. No. Um, Then they're giving away an account with a little bit of money. And then they're going to give an account with some money, an adequate amount of money. And then they're going to give away an account with great money. And everybody, there's no limit on these four kinds of accounts. There's no, absolutely no limit. No limit whatsoever. It's not like the first five people get to pick. There's no limit. Everybody that walks through the door can pick. But I just wanted to tell you about it because I really, really, really like you. So go down. I don't know about you folks, but I'm going to take door number four with great money. I am. No, I just have this fantasy how fun it would be to be able to have all this money and just be a venue and I'm not lying I really am not I love to give money to the kingdom and then watch God blow my mind how he just increases it again it just blows my mind and I love to be able to walk into a service and there's a home missionary that needs a washer and dryer and God says give him 600 bucks and you go here you go and you think okay so now how am I getting home God and then somebody else walks up to you and go God just told me to give you this. And you open it up and it's $1,000. And you're like, yes! You are so awesome, God. I mean, and I've had that happen. Literally, I have. It is just so awesome. So I think it would be so much fun to have even great money to do. But God knows how how much he can let flow, Brother Terry, so I'm not questioning. But with faith, if I have my choice, I mean, it's a no-brainer to me. I want great faith. And we've already talked about how easy it is to get it. It's a choice. 
The amount of faith in God you have is determined by your daily choices. It's determined by what I think about. It's determined what I meditate on, what I allow to enter my brain, what I read, what I watch, the people I talk to, the people I spend time with, what I spend my time doing, where I go, what I see, how much time I sleep, how much time I don't sleep, how much, I mean everything. It's all a matter of choice. Faith does not come by osmosis. Now, the first bit did. The measure did. God just said, here you go. But the great faith, I've heard people say, wow, sister or brother so-and-so, I would love to be like them. So then why aren't you? Choose it, do it. You must not want to be. Now, it would be different if I said, wow, I would really, really, really like to be short. (laughs) It's not going to happen. Well, it is because I'm shrinking. But anyway, bad example. I would really think it would be cool to wear a size 5 shoe. I don't because I'd fall over. But you're getting my point. There's some things in my life that I don't have a choice of. God made me how he wanted me to be in some areas. But this faith thing, I have a choice about. I can have as much faith as I choose to have. And it's all determined by my daily choices. I have to discipline my mind and discipline my life. And we love that word discipline. We should love it because we are called to be disciples. My faith grows in direct proportion to my relationship with Jesus Christ. A person with great faith has a great relationship with God. A person with little faith, I'm sorry to tell you, but they have little relationship with God. A person that speaks doubt and fear and condemnation is not what they should be and can be in Jesus Christ. And that's so sad because everybody can have great faith. There's no limit to it. It's not like God just has a little bit. It's available for everybody. We're all issued the same book. We all have the Word of God. We can all have as much of it as we want to. So an example is found in Numbers 13. The Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search out the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. So Moses, I think everybody here knows this story. He chose out the the heads of the 12 tribes, and he sent them to check out the land to see what they were facing. He did not send them out to see if they could take the land. He told them to go check it out. To see what it was like. To see, check out what 
what they were already promised. So when the 12 returned, only two, it appears to me, that only two of them remembered that this was already promised to them. The 10 spies, 10 of these spies said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. That's Numbers 13, verse 31. Then Caleb spoke with Joshua in agreement in 1330 and said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are able to overcome it. So some things to note about these 12 is that they had the same God. They looked at the same situation, the same land. They had the same promise. They saw the same, quote, giants. But the difference came in verse chapter 14, verse 24. They had a different spirit. The difference was that the ten spies focused their eyes on themselves. and their enemy rather than God and the promise that he had made to them. They said, we are in our own sight as grasshoppers. So they were like grasshoppers. If you see yourself as nothing, you are nothing. Oh, you know, I'm just a... No, you're not. You are a born-again child of God. You are strong in the power of his might. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. I know of a teenage child that faced temptation this week. And the minute, the minute that the tempter spoke to him, he said, devil, you're a liar. Get out of here. And he turned around and he did what was right to do. And he did not lose his testimony before an entire school that, was wa- that is watching him. He is the only, the only. He is not the only apostolic in that school, but he is the only that is standing. In, in my opinion, strong, saying, devil, get behind me. I will not bow. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. We do not have to bow. We are strong in the power of his might. I am more than a conqueror. I will not be defeated. I will overcome. Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Though the skin worms eat up this flesh, I shall see him. I have a promise. I am headed to a better place. I'm not going to lose my faith now. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. But his word is forever established. I've got a promise in the word. Yes, there may be some giants in this land, but they are not bigger than my God. 
So then that makes them smaller than me because he's in me. The situation with the ten spies kind of reminds me of the pastor-saint relationship. You know, your pastor tells you, you can do it. You can make it. God's given you that promise. Just stand strong on it. God will give you the strength to make it through. Just persevere. And then you come back and say, well, I'm just not able. I just don't have the strength. And, you know, I know everybody else is, but this is just bigger than me. And I'm just, and you talk yourself right out of it. God's given you the promise. Even if he hasn't verbally, audibly written it on the wall, spoken it to your spirit, if you haven't read it in the Word, for that particular situation, He's given you the promise. Speak in tongues and build up your faith. You've got the promise living within you. Caleb and Joshua didn't even have that. We've got something that they didn't have. Yet they didn't see themselves as grasshoppers. They didn't hop off to the corner and pout. Did we can take it. The promise is ours. It's time that we rally and say, we can take this city. So what did God think about their lack of faith? And then redo that question in your own mind. What does God think of my lack of faith? Because he doesn't change. So for the ten spies, when they brought up the evil, evil report, God called it just that, evil. We like to you know, candy coat it, sugar coat it, and say, oh, they brought up such a negative report. (gasps) Caleb and Joshua brought up a positive report. No, God called it good and evil. So we either have good or we have evil. I don't want to be evil in the sight of the Lord. I don't want to bring up an evil report before God. Speaking to Moses, the Lord said, how long shall I bear this evil congregation which murmurs against me. God took it as a personal affront that they doubted his ability to follow through with the promise. So if God tells me that I can do all things through him, and I go, yeah, I really don't think that I can make this one. (laughs) He takes it that I'm saying, that he can't do it for me. He doesn't hear me saying, Pam can't do this. He hears me saying, God, you're not able. And to him, then that's an evil report. Oops, I need to repent. Forgive me, Jesus. The evil was because they considered themselves rather than remembering God, his power, and his promise. Caleb had a different spirit than the ten spies, 
And because he fully trusted God, God brought them into the promised land. So our faith determines where God can and where God will take us. I don't know about you, but I want to live on the mountaintop. Even when I'm in the valley, I want to be on the mountaintop. The kids learn Sunday that the only way to stay living in the state of Wisconsin is to never move. We were talking about living in the state of joy. Happiness may come and go. You can always live in the state of joy. Just don't ever put the moving truck up to the door. I want to stay on the mountaintop with my attitude even when I'm in the valley. Numbers 14.37 tells us what happened to the spies who lacked faith. Even though these men that did bring up the evil report upon the, even though these men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. So they died by the plague. God said, that's it, you're not going in. Hebrews 3.13 gives us a warning to not have the same evil spirit. Take heed, brethren, lest any, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. So from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God did not change his opinion of what unbelief is. It's evil. And I'm not sure that we're going to get through this. Should we rush it or should we tell pastor we need another? How do we nurture it? We'll go really quick from the word. Nothing will increase your faith like the word. Read the word, hear the word, speak the word. If there's ever been a time to be diligent about hiding the word in your heart, it is now. If you've never done it before, you better get busy because America's changing, folks. Memorize scriptures that increase your faith. And then quote them, pray them, quote them, pray them, read them, quote them, pray them. Pray faith. Pray faith into your mind and heart. Pray the word. Jesus, I know that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. God, I know that you have made a way of escape from this temptation, and I am going to take it. As the minute that I find that door, I am out of here, God. Please show me where that door is, because right now, Lord, I do not see it, but you have told me you make a way of escape, so I need the way of escape, God. I don't know about you, but I don't pray real flowery. I'm not a flowery person. I tried that when I first got saved. It didn't work for me. Um, But if you are, great, I'll come listen to you because I love flowery prayers. Um, Lord, I have great peace because I really, truly do love thy law. Lord, I am so thankful that I can be like that tree that's planted down by the Mississippi River. I am so thankful, God, that my roots go deep down into you and that even when the tornado came through my life, I wasn't moved. I am so thankful, God. I pray the word. I paraphrase it back to him. I don't claim to know every scripture by heart. So, you know, I remind him that he's called me by name. I remind him that I may not be perfect, but you formed me in my mother's womb. (laughs) So you made me how you wanted me, God. Just use me. Um... 
I remind him that he told me he would deliver me in the time of trouble. Day of trouble is here, God. I need you. Um, I remind him, hello, you said you'd hear my prayers, Lord. It's me. I'm standing in the need. I'm praying, God. Lord, you promised me in Isaiah that you would save my children. You promised me, dear God. That I, I remind him of the promises of his word because he can't lie. And it's not that he forgot them. God doesn't forget. But in, it increases my faith. It's actually reminding me and building my faith up. Okay? And then practice faith. Make decisions based on the word of God, not on your circumstances and surely not on your feelings. Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. So don't make decisions. Well, I just feel like I should. If it's not a Holy Ghost prompting, don't go with your feelings. Make decisions based on the word of God. And get rid of the self-justification mentality. You know, always defending yourself. No, get rid of it. Speak faith. Change your speech pattern, your habit of speaking. I'm afraid that. Well, I don't think that. Things never work out for me because. Don't speak doubt. Don't speak fear. Well, I can't because. Well, everybody else can, but. Well, I wish I could. Stop speaking the evil into your own spirit. I'm going to give that a try. Don't know how God's going to do it, but he said he'd help me out, so let's go for it, God. I have no idea how God will do that, but let's try it. And if you really can't think of anything good, my mother used to say to say, then don't say anything at all, not even to yourself. Don't tell yourself that you're stupid. Don't tell yourself that you're dumb. Don't tell yourself that you don't whatever. Speak good. Speak faith words. Build up yourself in your most holy faith. Because if we can speak it, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Okay, so some quotes. Faith does not waver. Faith has not a doubt in his mind. Faith steadfastly believes it will happen. So in order to increase the measure of faith, that you have been given, you have to, number one, seek the faith of God, face of God, stay close to the author of faith, and then learn of him. It's really simple. I mean, there's nothing complicated about this. We make it really complicated, probably because then we can go back up to point up there about self-justification, because then we can self-justify why we don't have it. But there's really nothing complicated about having great faith. The people that have great faith just believe in God. 
You're not believing in yourself. And therein lies our problem. We have to step out of self and allow ourselves to believe in him and trust him. It's really a trust issue. And for those of us that have had people let us down, we have to remember that he's not a person and he will never let us down. Remember, it's what we know. We have to believe what we know and know what we believe. We talked about that last week a lot. We have to know that he will never leave us. We have to know that he will never disappoint us. We have to know that he works all things together. We have to know that he wants our good. We have to know that he has given us a promise and that he will fulfill that promise. Um, Hebrews 11 ends with some of the very enjoyable situations that these people of faith faced. You ready for them? Here's what you get to look forward to when you have that great faith. They were stoned. They were sown asunder. They were tempted, slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute, afflicted. They were tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They, and then they wandered some more in the deserts, in the mountains, in dens, and in caves. Doesn't that sound like the rewards of being people of great faith? Woo! But here's the clincher. Here's what we're after. Verse 39. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. I'm sorry, that's not the verse. Yet they kept the faith. By faith, they pleased God. They didn't have the promise, yet they pleased God. And that is what we're after. Faith is the root word of faithful. And part of our promise that we are seeking for, living for, striving for, at least me, is that when I stand before the judgment seat, I will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter thou in to the joy of the Lord. And that will only happen when I have great faith. So I have to discipline my mind because then it's then and then only that my heart will follow. So faith is increased and how much it increases is completely up to me. My lack of faith or my great faith is all up to me. I can't blame anyone else or credit anyone else for that. Thank you all for being here. I'm sorry I kept you an extra four and one quarter minute. God bless you.